Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards in Atlanta. Joining you on the road this week, Bob Rathbun here as I am covering TBT, the basketball tournament, this week and next. And coming up on the podcast this week, my broadcast partner will join me. The former Purdue great and former pro, Robbie Hummel, will be with me. We'll talk about college basketball today and his career. What a great story. You'll enjoy hearing from Robbie in just a moment. Our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week. The men's and women's basketball teams in the expanded Big 12 are still going to play 18 conference games during the new season of 23-24. Remember now, the Big 12 is going to comprise 14 schools because Oklahoma and Texas are still around, and they add BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida to the mix this season. Now, in the past, they had a double round robin where everybody went home and away with every opponent in the conference. That will not be the case this year, but there will be 18 conference games for the men and the women in the Big 12 coming up this season. My conversation with Robbie Hummel when we come back after this from Jersey Mike's. At Jersey Mike's, watching them freshly slice the meat and cheese for my sub is a sight to behold. The layers of ham, salami, and pepperoni are even more glorious than the pink and orange layers of a sunrise. Yeah, the sun's pretty and all that, but in about 7 billion years, it's going to explode, obliterating the earth and every living thing on it. And if there's no sun, there's no subs. Meanwhile, the only thing a sub ever obliterated was my hunger. Freshly sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. We welcome Robbie Hummel to the Naismith Podcast this week. As we get set for TBT, he and I will be joined at the hip for the next two weeks through Cincinnati and Dayton as we watch this tournament unfold once again. But, of course, for college basketball fans, it's a magical name. Uh, he's the brains behind the Field of 68 podcast these days and uh, doing great work uh, in the Big Ten and, and through college basketball. Robbie, welcome. No, thank you, and thank you for the introduction. I appreciate it, and we'll share that with both Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman. So thank you for that. Immediately. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, there's so much going on in the college game. It's become a 12-month-a-year sport now, Uh especially with the extension of alumni teams in the TBT. It keeps that college flavor going all year. We're getting ready to do uh, the Xavier alums against uh, the Cincinnati alums here tonight in TBT. So this place, Cintas Center, will be rocking. But I just wanted to get your take, really, on on what you're seeing in college basketball. It's so different from when you played. No, it is totally a different landscape, a different game. So much has changed, and I think it's a really interesting kind of inflection point in college hoops where you're looking at the transfer portal and how that's affected not just mid-majors but high majors and low majors and really everybody. NIL is a huge topic of debate you know, on so many levels of is it going to be a uniform thing? Is it going to be mandated by Congress? Is it going to be a state-by-state deal? Um, it's really right now the haves and the have-nots, which I think puts those mid- and low-major schools at disadvantage. I know college coaches are not happy about the recruiting calendar because of the fact that you have the portal opening right after Selection Sunday. So there were coaches who were coaching their teams in the NCAA tournament and scouring the portal while their teams were like warming up for NCAA tournament games. And you look at how many weeks out of the summer they're having to be on the road. And so there's just there's a lot going on. And I, I also and we have to add in there COVID. We're still dealing with COVID transfers and COVID extra years, and that will come to an end here, I think, 
next year, which will be good and give some stability and whatnot. But there's a lot going on, and I do feel like college sports, on top of having a new president, Charlie Baker, is at kind of an inflection point where we don't know where it's going, but hopefully it becomes more normal than it is right now because it it has been a wild ride the last, I would say, 18 months. As you look at the college basketball scene from where you sit now, do you think back to what it might have been like for you as a player to play in this era? Well, I think about NIL. <laughs> I think about, you know, that and that aspect of it, uh, which I, I am very pro the players being able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. I, I think for so long it was like, well, why can't you have a camp? Why, why can't you have an individual deal with a car dealership if, if that's what that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not per se for the pay-for-play. I don't think that's a good model for college sports, but I don't see a problem with guys making money off themselves when you know these schools, these conferences, and the NCAA are making so much money. Um, so I, I think about that. The portal wouldn't have been, you know, I, I was, I love playing for Matt Painter. I love playing at Purdue. I, I wouldn't have been, and I played a lot as a freshman, so I really had no reason to go anywhere. Um, so I don't think about that so much, but. Um, no, I, from an NIL standpoint, I think every guy that played in my time, and you think about what was kind of the only NIL-type thing we had, and we was after the fact, was the video game. Now, they had the college basketball video game, and honestly, if they'd asked me, do you want to be in this game, but you're not going to get paid, I would have been like, yeah, I absolutely want to be in this game. <laughs> so we got paid after the fact for that, and it wasn't a lot of money, but um, you know, NIL has, has changed a lot of the landscape of college hoops. I think a lot of fans who remember your career have one question. How are you feeling? Yeah. Because you went through so many injuries. Yeah, and it's funny to be back in this building here with you. And I talked to Two Holloway about it last night. We played these guys here my fifth year after I'd been hurt with my knees. And I had been sick and actually was, like, severely cramping to the point where I had to get an IV after the game in this building. And we blew a 20-point lead. So <laughs> tough memories from being here in Cincinnati. But I, I honestly feel pretty good physically. My knee doesn't bother me. Um, I've got some some back stuff here and here and there that I deal with every once in a while. But considering everything, now I, I I'm not going to say if I got on that court and I played 30 minutes tonight that I'd feel good after the game. But just in doing everyday stuff and playing golf and being you know doing I guess lifting some weights, physically I'm good. But for those who follow TBT, <laughs> they will see the men of Mackey and Dayton, and there is a name on the roster Robbie Hummel yeah the name is on the roster you know it, it might be kind of like a Udonis Haslam type role I might be practicing my towel waving and encouraging from the sideline um, you know you never know Ryan Smith is the head coach he was my teammate in college for four years if he puts me in the game I'm not going to tell him no but it, it I haven't played a lot of basketball to be honest with you over the last year and this is an event with pros so I, I found out the hard way last year. We lost to the money team, and, you know, I have not played at that level really in five or six years. So seeing guys like Jimmer and Jeremy Evans, who I played with in, in Russia, and Mitch Creek, who is in this event again this year. Mitch Creek had 30 points, and a lot of them were on me. <laughs> so that, that was a, a rude awakening. And the first time where I had felt in my life since being a pro – you probably don't belong out here. And that's a, that's a hard yeah. a hard reality to face when you're a player. Yeah. But now you see it from our view, from the 
commentator perspective, the television perspective. How do you like this business? I, I love it. You know, this is my sixth year of doing television, and I was so lucky to get to start out and do it at Big Ten Network and ESPN. Um, but just to, to sit in the seat that we do, you're sitting courtside, and to get to watch high-level basketball, whether it's an event like the TBT or the college hoops games doing Big Ten, Big 12, whatever league that, that I've done over the last six years, get to do that and be around the coaches and the players and stay in the game, it's it's been a blessing. And I retired early from 515. I was 28 years old. I was playing in Moscow, and I hated every day. And it wasn't that I hated basketball, but I, I just being away from family, living in a foreign country, Moscow is so cold. And Russia's a big kind of culture shock, I think, to a lot of the Americans that are playing there. Um, I just, I couldn't go back. And I wasn't going to be in the NBA anymore. Um, and I kind of tweaked my back. with I had a workout for the Bucks, Hurt my back, couldn't go. And I was like, this is a sign. So I was fortunate that I'd kind of had some stuff lined up to go right to ESPN and right to Big Ten Network to just start calling games. For any player, one of the greatest things you can do is represent your country. Uh, and you did that superbly in 3x3. You were named the USA Male Basketball Player of the Year, Athlete of the Year, in fact. Yeah. Uh, what an experience. That had to be one of the highlights. It was, and I will say, because when you look at the other winners of that award, I, I am not worthy to be on that list. It was a down year for USA Basketball. The 5-on-5 team kind of tanked in the World Cup, and we won the first gold medal at the 3x3 World Cup. So it was one of those years where there was not a lot of good from the men's side coming out, but it's it's a huge honor. I mean, Michael Jordan has won it. Like Shaq has won I mean, it's like you're looking at a who's who, so I, I don't belong with those names. Um, but but playing for your country, and I got to do it in college at the, the World University Games, played for Bo Ryan, and uh, played on a really talented team. We got bronze, unfortunately, over in, uh, in Belgrade. But then getting to do it again for, for 3x3, I, I figured, even in college, that that was probably going to be my last go-around of getting to represent the United States just because you're looking at the 515 national team and it's like Hall of Famers, you know? So I thought I could make the NBA, and at that point I, I felt like I was going to. That was before I got injured um, and blew my knee out twice. But I had a pretty realistic view of unless, you know, I get way better <laughs> – this is probably the end. So to get to do it in three-on-three three and to win the, the country's first gold medal and then to win MVP of that tournament and play the way that our team did. And, and honestly, it was – I look back at that 2019 team. It was Canyonberry, myself, Damon Huffman, and Kareem Maddox, and it was such an unselfish group. No one cared who scored. The ball moved. We defended. We, we just played so, so well. So to beat Serbia, who's been like a the, the big dog in that sport since it started in 2012 – to beat the Latvians in the gold medal game. They're, they're the reigning gold medalists in the Olympics. I mean, we, we beat the best teams, and we beat the Netherlands in Amsterdam in full play. I mean, we we had to beat the best teams, and we did that. So that's, that's something that I'm really proud to say that we did. The U.S., as we speak, is trying to gain points to qualify and not have to go through the qualifying tournaments right. to get to Paris. Uh, they got a shot to do that. Do you think we got a chance to medal? Oh, yeah, of course. And we, so I was an assistant coach uh, with the uh, World Cup team this year, and I was over there with those guys. It was Jimmer Fredette, who's playing three-on-three three now, which is cool to see him do it. It's taken him out of the TBT, but it's, I, I love the fact that he's kind of going for the Olympics here. Uh, Canyon was still on the team. Kareem was still on the team. And then Dylan Travis, who's out of Omaha, Nebraska, was the fourth guy. And uh, we were a bucket away from winning gold there. So we, we are right there. 
automatically qualifying would be huge because three on three is still a weird game in the sense that it's 10 minutes long or the first to 21 points. So you, you, do, you watch so much NBA. How many times have you seen a game where it's like, oh, they were terrible in the first quarter, but they played their way into it and they got the win? Like that's a story that you see nightly in that league. That doesn't exist in three on three. You've got to come out and start off well and defend. And it's just, it's like a sprint. It's a 10 minute sprint. So the qualifying tournament, that's where, where we lost. We lost in the quarterfinals um, to the Netherlands, unfortunately. You just don't want to put yourself in that position because it's such a crapshoot. Even if you've got a great team, anything can happen in that short of a game. Robbie, this has been great. Yeah, of course. I'm happy I love to talking thank, hoop thank with you. Me. Thank you for having me so much. This is awesome. And we'll be watching you when the college season begins on TV, but we'll be watching you, of course, uh, on TBT here coming up. And uh, it's going to be fun. Get those towels ready, baby. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Ross. No problem. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week. More on the road next week from Dayton. Watch TBT on ESPN. Bob Rathbun from all of us here at the Naismith Awards saying so long.